I think get get rid of the this erase that's the stigma of black men not uh, not needing help. Just let that just don't exist uh, at all. Like mm-hmm. that's just what what is that that concept? Yeah, get rid of that concept. This is a therapy for dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. Okay, welcome to the Therapy for Dads uh, podcast. Aaron, I'm excited to have you on. Um, he is my first fellow therapist having on the podcast up until this point. So it's very exciting to have another therapist on and to have a conversation around mental health and fatherhood. Um, so a quick intro of who Aaron is. Uh, he is the chief operating officer and therapist at Life Matters alongside with his wife, Dr. Trudy Ann Gale, Life Matters Psychological Services, which is located in Valley Stream, New York. He's also a school social worker and an adjunct professor at Adelphi University School of Social Work. And prior to this, he provided counseling for teens and adults battling substance abuse. He was also selected as the expert consultant for the Roots.com topic on black love, working in a predominantly female industry. He recognized the absence of black males in the field, which led him to develop a network of black male therapists from across the country, whose membership now is at 800 members, which is very incredible. Uh, He utilizes social media to provide mental illness information and promote awareness to reduce the stigma. He was also highlighted as one of the 15 black male therapists you should know in the Huffington Post in 2017. He's been featured in Black Enterprises' BE Modern Man, 100 Men of Distinction. He's been seen on VH1's Black Ink Crew as the residential and resident therapist. Uh, One of his most notable projects was the launch of a t-shirt line promoting black men seeking therapy, which includes the empowering slogan, Black Kings Need Therapy Too. And he has a black forum for men to have conversations about reducing mental health stigma. So you're doing such amazing things for therapy, for men, for black men, and I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to have a conversation around this topic of mental health. So welcome, Aaron. Good morning. Travis, thank you so much for being here, hailing from New York City. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? Doing good. It's three hours of apart. My coffee's kicking in. It's 5.30 in the morning, you know, <laughs> 8.30 for you. So it's good to have you on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Let's get started. Yeah, let's get started, man. So I'd love to hear real quick, like, what brought you into therapy? What, what made you become a therapist? What was that journey like in a quick snapshot? Right. So it was, I mean, it was, it's a pretty uh, long journey. Um, but, you know, it started out me wanting to pursue uh, my dream of being a car dealership owner. I love cars. I wanted to, uh, that was my dream. I was like, I'm going to open a car dealership and I'm going to have a whole chain of them. That was my, my dream. But it seemed that the whole time I was just lining myself up for where I'm supposed to be today. So I started, you know, doing courses in business and I got my associates and I went and did my, my bachelor's in economics and I was doing 
not not so good. So I switched to sociology. And after I graduated, uh, I was kind of just trying to find my way. And then I was able to, with the help of, of, of a friend, um, get into position to be a counselor um, at a, a drug treatment program. And that's where I got my first start in terms of counseling and working in addiction. And that was very intense, but it also was great uh, groundwork for the work that I do today, um, just dealing with uh, substance abuse and mental illness. Um, and being early in the field, I really needed more of an understanding of the mental illness piece um, because there's definitely co-occurring disorders with substance abuse and addiction. I mean, substance abuse and mental uh, mental illness. So going back to school was something that I absolutely needed to do to have a deep understanding. And then I saw the need uh, where everyone was just placed on my caseload. I was 20, you know, 23, 24 and a black man in, in the field. Um, and, you know, my supervisor was like, OK, you'll get this person. You won't get this person. Just seeing my value. So I was like and and my supervisor was like, you need to go back to school. You need to get your because. Like I see great things you need. And I was like, I was, you know, I was hesitant at first because school wasn't my thing, but I'm so glad that I took that route. Sounds like you had a really good supervisor who really called you, kind of spoke to you and gave you that encouragement, man. Yeah. Yeah. She's a social worker. She's a licensed clinical social worker. And I still speak to her to this day, but she was definitely, mm. it was, you know, definitely alongside my family, but she was definitely like, she called me Muller. Muller, you need to go back. Muller, you need to go back. So she wrote my um, kind of recommendation letter and um, I went to Adelphi. Uh, they had an open house and they waived the application fee. That was, that was it for me. I was like, no application fee. All right. I'm going to come here. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, you, listen, it didn't take much to sway me. It didn't take much. <laughs> it's, apparently not. But hey, I mean, those application fees, they, those could pile up, man. A absolutely. I said, okay. It, and it's, it's 15 minutes from my house. I don't, listen, I don't really want to be here. So you're lucky I'm even, <laughs> I'm just showing up. <laughs> and that was kind of my, I mean, it's sad, but that was my mentality. I was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to go back to school. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad I did. So glad I did. That got you in. Yeah, that's that's great, man. To have someone speaking in your life who kind of, even if at first you're kind of questioning on that journey, but that voice, you know, of her, your supervisor, and some family kind of back in your head as you're like, I don't, I don't want to be here, but oh, the door's open. So that was a definitely an open door of like, hey, we're gonna waive the the fee here for you. Right. Like, All right. Fine. I'll, I'll check it out, and then. He's got your buy-in apparently enough, right? right. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely had the before I became a therapist. Um, I was seeing a therapist, and she definitely encouraged me to pursue. She was one of the voices in my head that was encouraging me to pursue this, you know, becoming a therapist as well. So she's always been in the back of my mind and part of my story, kind of like your supervisor that I remember questioning and at times like I don't know if I want to do this, but then kind of having that encouragement in my mind, like, okay, yep, there's something here I need to li kind of listen to and pay attention to. So right. that's, that's definitely some similarities there. Um, and, and so then you became a therapist and then, you know, you start off in addiction and that, that can definitely be a sink or swim um, scenario, especially if you've never been around it, you know, um, but sounds like you didn't sink, you swam um, and learned a lot, right? Absolutely. I learned a lot. Like I said, I didn't have any... Um, you know, prior experience in, in the field or like having it like openly in my face just to understand. But I knew um, and, you know, some of my my clients would ask me, well, have you ever? And, you know, of course, there's um, 
guidelines around self-disclosure and things like that. But I always told him, you know, I know that I feel like I'm bringing something, bringing tools um, to you as a person. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether, you you know, dealing with your addiction Mm -hmm. or mental illness is something that I feel like I can bring to you in terms of certain things that you need, whether it be a listening ear or someone to just kind of have a conversation with and process with. And that's one of the biggest key components mm-hmm. of, feel of, of of this work that we do. And sometimes people don't have it. So it's, you know, it's like providing that. And that's not something that you talk about active listening and reflection um, in the, you know, in, in school um, or in our field placement and, you know, internships. However, I feel like this, uh, piece of us that we bring to this work and it takes a special type of person to be present for people um and be able to process with them and 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 bring that that empathy um yeah i feel like there's definitely something Mm -hmm. that you have to have internally to do this work um i love that you know mental health is it's 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 a it's a conversation everyone's talking about now and then we have you know not you know mental health associates and advocates and people bringing their own stuff to it and providing their own platforms and getting a lot of um, visibility around it. But it's much more than just telling your story. Uh, It's much more than just saying this is, you know, putting something on a meme and this is what you should do. There are people who actually need to sit down in front of someone and do actual work. And the work may be just unloading and that is that's much more than a meme, much more than this is what you should do. This is much more than five gems. It's much more than that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it is much more than that. Yeah. Some of those memes are helpful, but sometimes it's, um, well, I, I think you can kind of build around the misconceptions of kind of what a therapist does, which I think naturally leads into this question. What do you, you know, from what you're seeing now, what do you think is the number one um, kind of myth or misconceptions that people think about what you do for your job as a therapist? Well, I definitely feel that, you know, that it's, oh, just go to therapy and things will, ch- and things will change automatically and overnight, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it doesn't. And I let people, I, not when, I, when we sit down, I let them know that this is, you know, there's short-term therapy, you know, there's very intense focus therapy and I'm not, and that's great where you have really targeted things you need to work on. But majority of the people that are coming in, it's a lot of unpacking to do. And in 45 to 50 minutes, one time a week or every two, like you're not getting like, this takes consistency, this, you know, work outside of the therapy session. There's, you know, maybe homework you need to do, collaboration with other um, disciplines. So we may need to connect you with, okay, you haven't been to the doctor, even let's explore, you know, going to the doctor or going to the dentist, because there's so many other uh, components of our body that's related to our mental health. So that's stuff, stuff I talk about. Actually, when's the last time you've been to the doctor? Um, let's rule out that first. Um, you really need to check uh, with your gynecologist. This is all the things that I'm saying. And as a social worker, for me, I look at every, you know, the biopsychosocial. So I, I'm like, so tell me about, your, you know, where you mm-hmm. live in, how you, you know, your home conditions, you know, all of those things are so important. It's not just the mental component. So I feel like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's why I, I, I love uh, you know, the kind of this holistic and just looking at very, you know, and I look at the, the person too, like, what do they, you know, do they have a spirituality piece? Because that's also important. For those that don't know, what just real quick, what is that bios, the biopsychosocial model? What is that? Just like real quick, what is that? So we look at the mental, we look at the environment, and then we look at your body. 
So we look at those three components mm-hmm. because if you're living in a high, you know, crime area, that could affect, you know, kind of your response to things, anxiety. We look at your body. Sometimes our body, if your thyroid is off, um, you know, hypo or hy- hyper or hypo, that could have that could make you feel like you're anxious, mm-hmm. make you feel like, you know, it affects you so many different ways. It may mirror mental health right. uh, symptoms. And then, and then we look mm-hmm. at the mental component where, you know, that's what we're addressing. It could be things going on um, with you mentally as well. So I look at all three different approaches. Yeah, that's a big component. I, I do the same and um, big on the biopsychosocial model. It's because, again, we're, we're not just mental beings, right? We're not just... Uh, emotional beings, social beings, spiritual beings, right? But we're all of those things. And everything, mm-hmm. like you said, everything influences everything else, right? That our environment plays a significant part on us. It has, it could be a positive thing, it could be a very stressful thing, depending on our environment. And, and then how we cope with it, our body, like all those things that we don't think about is very important. And it's kind of part of what you're doing, which is so significant. And you know, that myth or conception, I totally relate to that. Yeah, therapies work. It, it isn't just you come and it's not a light switch. It takes it takes effort. It could be hard. And, and even I, I remember and I, I'll do some kind of um, helpful sharing, a little bit of uh, self, you know, uh, self uh, reflective sharing with some of my clients saying, hey, I've done therapy. It's hard. I remember mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to kind of personalize it that, yeah, I'm a human too. And I'm a therapist, but I I know what it's like to sit on where you're sitting and to sit with a therapist and start to work through some of this stuff and and kind of the the journey it takes the ups and downs of the journey that it, it's hard it takes effort and sometimes it you don't always want to do it it's like ooh this is uncomfortable yes um and then being able to share but I do know from personal experience that if you keep at it it does get better absolutely and you do begin to heal and and it starts to affect your whole life for the better. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you shared that piece. I think it's very important for, for people to know as if they're listening, you know, those that are listening to this haven't been in therapy yet, is it, it's a process and you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to fall down and get back up. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering for you, Aaron, in your, you know, kind of what you're doing, what is currently, you know, you, you kind of shared about your kind of how you started and, you know, fast forward with some of the rap sheet that I shared. There's a lot of stuff that you have it sounds like you are breaking significant walls and barriers, uh, you know, on so many different arenas. And so I'm wondering now kind of where you are now um, and the influence you have and kind of the work you're doing, what is a particularly like unique or um, like difficult challenge that you're facing right now um, with within the industry and who you're working with and who you're trying to serve? Oh man, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm, starting to not starting to but i see the barriers in terms of um us as therapists in terms of licensure across states and how all of these red tapes that from state to state how can make it difficult to provide additional services especially areas where there is a, a absence of black male therapists so you know i applied for another state and mm. i had to Shell out almost $140 um, for documentation and things to submit. Um, and that's just one state. So imagine if I really wanted to, you know, um, to do it to other states, it, it could really get costly. Um, and then, of course, each state has their own CEUs, which, of course, I'm 
I feel like we should be, you know, aware of what's going on in the field and things, but CEUs are very costly as well. And then also I feel like with insurance companies, there's so much red tape in terms of um, getting credentialed and, and maintaining that status. So I feel like there's a lot of barriers that I would love more um, folks with visibility to kind of, and that has the platform um, to have conversations with those people at the table about, you know, I'm one small fry uh, mm. in this, but I see a lot of uh, celebrities yeah. um, and folks with influence talking about, you know, therapy and go and things like that. But we really, you know, there's folks at the table that are, you know, social workers and, and marriage and family therapists and, you know, psychologists that are going to, the, you know, the legislators talking about that we need more access, we need more um, support for those that cannot afford insurance. But it, it's, it's just one step. We need definitely more attention to the the red tape with insurance companies. And there's a reason why a lot of therapists don't accept insurance, because it's just a, a lot, a lot for them. And if you have a small little practice and how much they require and then how much you are compensated for, it's like, nah, I don't want to deal with that. So I feel like that's a, an area that, um, you know, I really want to start to focus on because it's not just, OK, go to therapy and things like that. But there's something behind it. And I'm very passionate in terms mm-hmm. of the work that I do as a social worker. And a big piece is advocacy. And that's whether it be with you know legislation mm-hmm. or making new laws or contacting the people who make the laws or who can advocate for you. So, you know, um, I met with someone you know, in this area and at at a fundraiser he had because he's running for office and just want to get his views on mental health. And he's a strong um, mental health advocate and goes to therapy. And he's very open about that. Mm. So I had a conversation with him. It's like, what is the goal for the city in terms of like, we need more. So I feel like that's the next step. Mm. Um, like I said, we have a lot of people now talking about go to therapy, go to therapy, but we need more visibility and more conversation around making the access even more real and more um, attainable. Yeah, that's something that, um, gosh, I'm glad you said we could have, gosh, we could probably have a whole other second episode just on the politics of therapists and social workers and the red tape. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms that we could probably spend a couple hours just talking about and becoming, you know, the kind of what it looked, the reality of what it looks like, you know, behind the doors, what we deal with. I totally agree. And actually, I don't take uh, insurance um, in my private practice. I also work for kind of an HMO, kind of outpatient. So people have the insurance, they buy in and they get therapy at, you know, um, more affordable costs. But in that model, it's a medical model. So it's that, you know, it's a um, medical necessity, right? That there's a diagnosis and there's an impairment in functioning, right? Um, Which... There's and some people don't don't meet that standard, but I think they still need they could benefit from therapy. But as far as within that world, they don't they won't receive services because we're treating the more severe cases. Right. Um, but uh, you know I don't take insurance for that very reason for because I have I have a small practice and the work it takes and the compensation and all the stuff you put in to get on a panel is not worth the time um, for me. And you you mentioned cross state lines and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. You're a licensed clinical social worker. And there's all these weird politics. Like I'm licensed in California, but I can't see someone in a different state unless I pay and take their test. And some states are easier. Some states I have to like do more hours for to like prove that. And I'm like, that stuff doesn't make sense. Like I'm a licensed clinician. I did 3000 hours to get licensed in California. (laughs) Right. Um, for those of you who don't know, do the math. 
uh, of how many hours. It's it's minimum like two and a half years of work post grad to get licensed. Minimum, and that's if you're working, you're you're counting. You know, you're working every every second. You know, right. um, and I, I'm not sure New York what what New York is. Is it three thousand hours in New York it too was, for you it guys? Was, it was two. It was two. It was two or three thousand when I did. I think it's three thousand now. But yeah, unpaid internship. Three thousand. Okay. And then you you know working a full. I was working full time and yeah, part time. Unpaid. Uh, right. So. Oh yeah, I remember that unpaid, and you're 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 unpaid doing hours in the internship. You're like, how do I how do I afford to pay my my rent? I'm not getting paid. Right. <laughs> I remember doing. I had I saw to work, and then you know it was hard, man. And grad school, it was a. It's very intense. 64 credits. And, uh, you know, I went part time and I was working a full time job. And yeah. then, you know, you have papers to do. And yeah, it, it wasn't easy it's at lot. all. Um, it's a lot. But it's a lot. But I know I'm, I'm, I'm assuming for you, um, I'm glad I did it. As hard as it was, it was a trial. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. But I'm so glad that I continued to become a therapist and got licensed and doing the work. Because yes. for me, it's such a it's life giving to do this kind of work with people and sit across and see people heal and you know heal from trauma, heal from you know wounds, heal from all this stuff, and actually live a better life and a and a more fulfilled, healed, balanced life. Um, Absolutely. So it's such a pleasure to do this work. Um, Absolutely. And and I'm wondering now with the clients you work with because I, I love I, you know I totally resonate with kind of your unique challenge and I completely agree. We need to cut down a lot of red tape. We need to make it more accessible. We need more funding for low cost services. Um, you know, there's a lot that still needs to change, I think. Um, and we need people doing advocacy and you, you have a big voice for that. And we need a lot of people changing and, you know, working with politicians and stuff. Um, but coming down now to the people that you serve and, and let's kind of niche it down or niche it down to men. Mm-hmm. What are some of the unique barriers that you're seeing working with, with men, working with black men, what are some of those things that you're seeing that they're facing to even engage in therapy? Well, to get them to the door, you know, I feel like that, you know, and I thank them for coming. I thank them every session for for coming in because, you know, we come with a lot of just uh, stuff in terms of um, what our our boys want to say, what society says, like um, just, just, just notions in our head about what uh, masculinity looks like, what being a man looks like. And I feel like that's the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles in terms of coming to therapy and even, um, engaging once they get in. Um, I feel like they definitely, uh, come in and want to process, but definitely dealing with that kind of internal struggle. And I'm very, you know, gentle with that, with that part in terms of allowing them to to process in their own way and you know gentle encouragement but definitely you know coming in with their own stuff and just their feelings about their their role in the world as a, as a black man in society and the fear that they have every day on you know walking the streets uh that's one of the biggest mm. biggest things that they kind of process and talking about just like it how exhausting it is um dealing with work stuff mm. and family and their own you know stuff from there childhood so that's one of the, that's one of the biggest things mm, yeah and can, can you speak a little bit more about some of the other things you're hearing them share like definitely that fear of just walking around and kind of um yeah. you kind of touched on a few topics and i'm wondering specifically what are they saying about you know what, what are they saying the boys will say or what are they saying that what it means to be you know a, a masculine you know black man or black male or 
Like, so what are some of those things that they're like explicitly, yeah. Yeah, these are the things yeah. that I'm thinking in my head that I'm afraid of? Yeah. So one one definitely thing, um, and this is across a spectrum because I have some some bl- uh, black men that are coming to therapy is like, yo, I need I need my therapy. I'm not even I don't care what nobody say. I let you I let them know I go to see huh. my therapist every week. Um, and you need to see him too. He's hmm. mad dope. And this is what they're saying. So I, you know, I get, you know, across a spectrum huh. ones that are like, yo, I go to a therapy right. and they're like, where are you? And they are actually trailblazing in their own communities. Wow. Talking about mental health. What and do you think? Going. Wait, hmm. And as a side note, for those men that you're seeing, and, and this might just come up naturally, but you know, there's the spectrum. So I'm wondering from what you've seen, what do you mm-hmm. think the difference is from those, those men that are like totally like, yeah, I'm, I'm, do- I'm totally open. Like, is there, have you seen a difference with them? Like how they were raised or their environment that like is I mean, helping them be? There is. I mean, if we were to unpack both of them as, as we do with two clients, it's just a level of resiliency. You know, we all have different resilience, you know, mm. and it's not something that we can, you know, instantly measure. It's just like, how does one person, two people who right. have gone through the same thing, right? Similar situations would one be like, yo, uh, I'm coming back up on top. That was a situation and that's what I've been through, but I'm getting the help that I need. And you're going to know that I go to therapy and, yo, I was having a t- conversation with my homeboys. I let them know, yo, I showed them your page, like just completely transparent because I need that help. And then we have the other end of the spectrum was like i don't know like i think touching you know touch you know holding my girl's hand that's that's weak that you know so Mm. that's just environment that's is that nature versus nurture is it that lack of um maternal figure and right so issues around that like there's so many ways to uh, to to unpack it but there's it's definitely a spectrum and it's amazing to see and you know and it doesn't matter with age you know it's just really about the person but i have across like i said across the spectrum where those is just like man i'm just trying to figure this whole therapy thing out or you know i'm here and well, i'm gonna slowly release stuff to you um and then the other in the spectrum is just like we having conversations around everything and just about like how they like i need this like you lucky i go to therapy now because i would have heard like they have no problem saying that um so yeah. it's, it's just it's just amazing to see and I'm, I'm just meeting everyone where they at and that and that's the and holding space for them so uh with some you could be you know it's a definitely a different conversation and some are just being very present where they are right now and they're just exploring mm-hmm. they're feeling um helpless in terms of like the state of of black men and 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 we have george mm-hmm. floyd you know we have sean bells here in new york city where he was gunned down by police wrongfully so um mm-hmm. those things stick with you you know and it's just like what what am i supposed to do yeah so if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. And with those, um, trauma, right. Is a, you know, trauma begets trauma, right. Trauma gets passed down if left unhealed. Yeah. Um, how have you seen trauma play a role and trauma is a big, you know, that's an umbrella term, 
right? Um, we could we could really focus in on particular types of trauma. But I'm wondering, do you see well trauma as being a barrier for men, your men that you're seeing coming into therapy? Are you seeing it as kind of keeping them stuck and isolated? Absolutely, but also trauma for some people has been their survival. That's all they know. Mm. So we have to do what yeah. we have to do. You understand? Right. Like there's no, like it's just, we have to get stuff done or we just have to live and we just have to survive. And right. that's and that's really it. There is no lifelines right. and no coping strategies, no helplines, no support, no rational thinking, no uh, let's come up with some conflict resolutions. No, it's just trauma is how we is how we live is how we do and then unfortunately it's passed down you know yeah. whether it be just through observation right or just you know the genetic component in terms of like things passing down just through through you know just through the bloodline because if this person had to absorb all of that i firmly believe and i, I know this the there's this document and research to prove it that this seeps in into to, to the DNA and of, of, of offspring because there oftentimes where you see ch- you yeah. know children who had no interaction with their parent and they're like you look or you, you look just like him or you act just like him where does that come from hmm. like I said I, yeah. I told you I wanted to be I told you I wanted yeah. to be uh, a car dealership uh, owner and I love cars I was driving since I was like nine yeah um go to every car show and my son i didn't say here here hudson here's a car he is like my family just can't believe it because he literally has a million cars like i did and he can name the car just looking at it like i did at the same age mm-hmm. i didn't teach him that i mm-hmm. may I, i'll tell him one time that's a bmw you know that's a ford and then that's it yeah of course the exposure because his mom and i we like love cars so we you know we lease we switch um you know often so he gets to see it. But other than that, it just it just took off. But I feel I firmly believe there's a component, you know, mm. there. Yeah. Which is kind of how trauma is passed down. There right? you go. It's the environment. And, and it goes back to that resiliency thing, that peace that sometimes even though someone might have experienced significant trauma in their life or even family trauma, some people, for whatever reason, have this epiphany of like, I'm doing something different. You know, they have this something inside. It's like it like snaps and clicks. And they're like, yeah, I need to change. Like. Maybe even some of those men that you're seeing that are like, hey, no, I, I need therapy. I'm coming in. They're like, whatever, whatever reason, they something, a light went on and saying, yeah, I'm doing something different. Mm-hmm. And other times those people are stuck in survival mode. And, and I want to, if you could speak a little bit more about survival mode and, and trauma, because you're, you're absolutely right. Even, and I see this as it becomes normal, it become, normal meaning familiar of the people get so used to operating in survival mode that they can't. They can't, quote unquote, stop because the stop means, you know, death, whether literally or figuratively, like they don't know what else. Nothing else is familiar. In fact, coming out of it would be more terrifying than being in the space three. And so I'm wondering, what have you found to be successful to help those individuals begin to kind of come out of the survival mode to begin to kind of process and heal some of the trauma mm-hmm. to 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 live more freely? Well, I feel like definitely uh, just the conversations such as podcasts and and TV shows around me- mental health and social media for sure i feel like uh it's definitely getting more visibility even in communities where it's taboo to talk about it you know the black community that you know therapy is uh, a tab- taboo you know we definitely had to historically dysfunction and move in silence um and 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 there was no time to to focus on what's not going right because society in the world don't like black people so we what are we gonna do cry about it or are we just gonna move forward do what we gotta do 
And that's what we do. We got to get stuff done. So that takes a toll on your body. That takes a toll on you. So now you're operating in, 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 in fear and operating in anger because what do you do with all of that stuff? Like, why are we being targeted? Why are we being gunned down? Why is there a lack of resource in our community when in some places, if you literally cross the street um, because the demographic or the zip code is, is different, the access to resources and services is completely different. Like what, like what are you supposed to do with that? But you got to move on. People still got to eat. People still got to go to work. So you just push on. But over time, you get tired of pushing. You know, with that pushing, what have you found to help? Creating spaces. And people are having, you know, are having hmm. uh, conversations amongst each other or creating support groups or having uh, events. You know, there's a lot of events that's empowering um, hmm. us to get the help that we need, whether, you know, or just bringing in speakers. So it's definitely getting more visibility in terms of there is help for you help you know available um organizations that is providing free you know free therapy and free resources and um gun prevention programs you know and and programs for for families dealing with um gun violence and trauma and things like that so these are and 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 the biggest piece is having visibility from someone that looks like them so it's not like this foreign concept like you don't know where i'm coming you don't know my struggle so people are saying are seeing a need and creating creating those platforms when it sounds like that's a you know big part of what you've done too is creating that that familiarity of being the face that's i guess i never really uh i just do you know I really, you know, when any everybody, like I created the the uh, kind of the bio, but I don't really read it. Um, so every time I hear it, it's like, oh yeah. wow, okay. But I, you know, I don't connect it. It's just like, mm-hmm. all right, something else I got to do. It's something else that's needed, and mm-hmm. kind of just make it happen. So I don't really yeah. sit down and just focus on what I've what I've done, which I think makes it all the more powerful, right? When you have that reaction. Um, because of what that tells me is that oh this this man has a has a good heart isn't it for the right reason you know this therapist this person isn't it to help versus in it for yeah. the well the other thing just the accolades of you know look at look at everything done like so hearing that like that's very I appreciate that honesty and vulnerability of oh yeah I don't really think about this but hearing it, it's like oh my man I, geez there is a lot there not by the way I didn't even read the whole bio because there's a lot there that it would have taken me a little bit longer to read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Which is great and amazing, but that shows me that man, it sounds like you you are having such a significant impact on a whole list, like mental health as as a whole, right? That you you have influence in, in in your state in New York, and so you're having this sphere of influence to say, hey, let's let's reduce stigma, and even more specifically, really speaking to to the to the black community and men of like, wow, we're we're seeing we can heal, we have a space. It's not just this taboo thing. Um, and, and creating that, that face, that familiarity and say, Hey, no, I'm, we do need this. We need to heal. And that's powerful. That's huge, hugely Thank important you. Thank you. to have yeah, that. That's kind of, because you can, you can touch people that I can't necessarily not say I can't touch or help, but there is a, there's a difference. And I think there's something that you're going to be able to reach people that I won't necessarily be able to reach maybe in every moment and, and vice versa, that we're going to be able to have these right. spheres of influence of making the world and that's better. what makes and and right and that's ultimately what we want to do right so it's just like you know one we need more clinicians because the demand is great we need more men clinicians because the demand is great and we need more clinician men right. uh you know men of color 
we 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 need it. So it's just mm-hmm. like if we all are doing our part, then we are helping, um, helping you know right. helping the folks in need. Right. You know, so in every you know capacity where I can, whether it be in legislation and in, in terms of like recognizing the need, in terms of get like getting programming more programming here in in new york city that's something that i'm passionate about um and then in the actual work of therapy with you know providing therapy services and for organizations that's something i you know my nonprofit, um you know is is doing so i'm talking to companies you know about wellness creating a culture of wellness Hmm. um in in the organization and then um, on the education end, I'm super excited about being a, a educator on the graduate level, um, just f- shaping future mm-hmm. clinicians. Um, I feel like it's important to to see a face of a black man in in the you know as a as a professor, um, and just knowing being aware of your stuff and your power and privilege. If you know if you're a, a white social worker coming to the field and just being aware of that. And I feel like it's very, very important because you're not coming to save nobody, you know, just really mm-hmm. just think that mm-hmm. just restructuring the thinking like you're here to support. We're not here to save anybody. So I'm super excited about being in, in that in, in that space mm-hmm. and, and, and providing, you know, support and providing just my, my knowledge and then also exploring their knowledge as well and, ha- and having them hone in on their their stuff because sometimes they don't know what they would like i'm in social work but what do you want to do there's so many different things like i had a mm-hmm. I had an intern and yesterday was her last day um because i'm a school social worker as well so um i work with kids in mm-hmm. 3k through eighth grade so i try to cut co- I'm, I'm i'm i love that i'm covering i'm not in just one arena um and just so many different areas of, of yeah. social work. But um, she said, one thing I learned from you is that there's so many things that you can do as a social worker. So yeah. that's that. There uh, is. I'm, there I'm, really glad, is. I'm glad that she, you know, to open her eyes that, you know, there's so many different things. It's not just one thing. We're not just taking people, kids from their families. <laughs> you know, that's what that's one misconception, uh, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of good you can do and are doing. And you, yeah, you really you've really works with a lot of different populations, um, which I'm sure you could speak to has really rounded you, has really given you these perspectives of, you know, children to people with, you know, or when you're early on in your career, drug addiction and seeing how addiction plays a role. Absolutely. Right? Um, and then working with adults, you're seeing kind of these, you know, working with the politicians, you're seeing kind of these different arenas and man, you can do so much as a social worker, as a, as a licensed, you know, marriage family therapist, as a licensed clinical, uh, you know, uh, is it professional clinical counselor, depending on these are different licenses, but there is so much we can do and, and reach our community. And, and something that I love within this is being able to learn from others and say, Hey, how do I, how do I become a better therapist? How do I learn from, uh, different people, different backgrounds, different cultures to say, okay, how do I continue to grow as a therapist to reach people that, that come into my office? Yeah. And also building on their strengths. So it's like recognizing that you were able to do this and, Despite what you you know you're going through, you you know you have this, and how can you build on that? And connect, and then also is being a bridge builder. So, have you explored this? Here's some opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some being an agent, being a broker. That's the biggest thing too. You haven't you never been to the doctor before? Okay, let's explore where that's coming from. Um, so I'd love to to exp- you know meet everyone where they are, and I know we say that a lot, but literally you have to meet them where they are and find out what strengths they have or and then base off of their beliefs because if someone doesn't believe in a certain thing, 
we have to acknowledge that and recognize that and how can we navigate navigate through it so yeah it's a it's it's a lot in terms of helping restore because some people coming in need restoration they were in a place where they were doing well and circumstances happened so you know they need to really work through that and kind of restore and then i do a lot of couples work too so i'm doing a lot of marriage counseling and that's two people Hmm. um coming in with their stuff and and how do you restore communication? How do you rebuild? How do you work through infidelity? So that's a lot of work that I'm do- I'm doing too. It's an array of things that you're you're seeing, and I mean, what a perspective, right? You're not it, you're getting all these perspectives and seeing, gosh, how it really how all these parts influence one another, like from children aids to adults to marriages to individuals, and kind of from the past and trauma. Like you're seeing all the stuff that's really shaping you to like to reach people, and I'm wondering. If you could, you know, I always love this question. If you could wave a magic wand and can fix one thing right now, and it was just fixed within kind of the mental health and, you know, sphere, maybe mental health specifically with men, what's one thing that you can magically just make better? Oh, wow. Um, I think get get rid of the, just erase that's the stigma of black men not, uh, not needing help. Just let that just don't exist. Uh, at all like mm-hmm. that's just what what is that that concept yeah get rid of that concept mm-hmm. yeah what would you want to replace it with because <clears throat> I think black uh, you know when I came up black kings need therapy too you know I realized that you know we are the le- least likely to go and get help but I honestly don't I think therapy is great but I, you know I don't think everyone needs to go to therapy but I feel like everyone needs to be mentally well so being aware of your mental wellness i feel like that's important whatever that looks like mm. so therapy may be one component of it yeah but in another component certainly yeah. may be let me let me be mindful about how much alcohol i'm consuming and and um and cigarettes and like there's a whole component of of wellness and i feel like um black men tap into like being aware of am i good and if i'm not good you know, what do I need to go to therapy? What do I need? I need to like check myself because there's, there's a lot of men that are not mm-hmm. in therapy and they're okay, right? They go they go through ups and downs, but able to navigate it with tools. So if there is an absence mm-hmm. of tools or your tools are not working, what do I need to do next? Because I'm not good, and there is no and there's no stigma yeah. that black men don't need help. So the next step is okay. What do I need to do now? Because there's no stigma, right? Right. But what do I need to do now? Right. There's no stigma. Right, right, right. There's no stigma. The stigma's still there, unfortunately. You know, I would love that stigma to be gone too of mental health and mental wellness. I think that there's still this kind of like block of we don't that's not an important piece of aspect of life. You know, taking back to the biopsychosocial model is it's not just mental illness, but mental wellness. That even mental wellness is kind of a and specifically working with men, um, I see that as like it's still less than like physical wellness might be more important or right. intellectual wellness might be more important financial wellness yes. but mental wellness is like a lowest on the total i don't have time right. for that right and i'm yeah. and realizing that it's That's, a huge correlation because if you are not mentally well at some point you don't get you can't get out to bed go to the gym maybe trouble going to work or you're not functioning well if you're creative you don't have the the capacity of space to create um mm-hmm. and you know a variety of things so um we want to in terms of prioritize it or just have, create a understanding of that whole sphere 
of um, the different components mm. of the dimensions. And there's so many com- questions I, I would love to ask and keep going, um, but just for the sake of time, we're coming up on the hour. Um, a little more personal. Yeah, I didn't mention this, but you are a father, and right, got a father. And I'm wondering, how are you, or what, like how and what are you modeling to your kids now about mental wellness? Like what's one practical thing that, that Aaron does on his day-to-day of modeling you know, the importance of not, it's not more than everything else, but just as important as the rest of our biopsychosocial model, our social health, our physical health. Like, what are you doing to model that to your children? Well, um, I don't know if you know that my wife is a psychologist um, also. So um, I hope that doesn't mess my kids up having two therapists as parents. But um, one thing, you know, we do a variety of things in terms of like creating, uh, we try to create calmness. We know that, you know, children's stimulation um, definitely attributes to the, you know, their nervous system and keep being overly activated and then affects them in, in the classroom. So we definitely, in terms of our home environment, try to keep it kind of um, not in terms of like completely like structured, but this, this is like, all right, guys, lights out, we chilling. Um, this is a quiet time and we kind of have structured so they know what to expect, right? So if there's any variation, we can say, okay, guys, mm-hmm. we're not going, you know, it's Friday night, you know, we're not going to bed now. We can stay up a little bit later, but they know what to expect. But we have mm-hmm. a conversation if there's going to be a variation, but they know bedtime, they know, you know, they, it's a routine. And we feel like that's super important with children that this kind of, this develop that skill of like, take off your clothes when you come in, kind of put your stuff away. You know, it's homework time, kind of develop that kind of know what to, it's not just like, Oh my God. Ah. Um, that does something to their, to their brain and their nervous system. So that's super important. And it, how, you know, my wife and I talk to each other and try to model in terms of like hugs and things like that. And yeah, just try to just create a home. Just try to create a home, you know? Yeah. What kind of home are you trying to create? So when I think of the word home, I think of just like uh, comfort, nurturing, where you you know you come home to and feel, um, feel that love and and, um. So how is you know how, what's a good thing that happened at school today and just giving each other a high five when they have a good day, you know my my son is in a spelling bee and he's very shy, um like myself and you know the teacher recorded him and he, you know he had his head down but he spelled the word and just. Saying, you know, congratulate him on that and, and great job and positive mm-hmm. reinforcement. And when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, we're going to have a conversation about that. You know, being nice to your sister and really speak to him like when and the consequences, like you you know what you did, why are you writing all over the house? You know, we have white walls. Why is there crayons here? Have a conversation about why you, you know, you're in trouble for that. So it's not just um, yeah. teaching just just about just great stuff, but also when the, when, and you, okay, you made a mistake. Cause he's very like about being things and doing things right. We're like, okay, Hudson is okay. If you made a mistake, not creating this mm-hmm. false reality, that you're always going to have it together and be dope either. Like daddy gets, uh, I told him, when I, you don't think when I go on TV, I'm nervous too. Like I, I told him that, like there's mm-hmm. also being real and visible even at five years old, because it's all, it's all going to impact take it he's all going to just like absorb all of that stuff all of those lessons yeah and that's modeling right that i love i love that you said that modeling that it's not just saying everything's okay and you're great but saying no here's where you're doing well and here's some things that we need to change right and that's okay yeah you know and i'm wondering you know 
flash forward now as a, as a man, you know, since this is like for therapy for dads, you know, I always like to bring it back to men and fathers somehow. What do you want to model to your son? Like what, what's something that you want him to know above all else and like teaching him about what it means to be like a man? So I look at my, my dad. I like, I didn't live with my dad, but um, him and my mom co-parented very well. Um, and I saw the hard work that he did. I saw how he took care of me and my brothers and and sister. And I just try to, um, and my father's he's big on just working hard, you know? So I feel like I want to impart that. Mm-hmm. Just being a good mm-hmm. person. He don't bother anybody. Just, you know, keep a whole bunch of friends. He just does his work and that's it. And, and, and his most important thing is his children. Yeah. The last, last, last question. Hey, how can, uh, how can we find you? How can we support what you're doing? You know, tell us about that. Um, pr- primarily on the Instagram, um, on Instagram, on the black underscore therapist. That's where I do all of my correspondence and information. So you can find me right on there. The black underscore therapist. Yeah. And I'll drop that in the show notes as well for people to find you and, and support you. Um, and I appreciate Aaron, your, your time, your conversation, um, be able to kind of talk a bit about just some of the barriers that we're seeing that you're seeing in your, um, your sphere of influence of working in therapy, some of the things you wish would be better, um, and stuff that you want to impart to your family and what you're trying to create in your home as kind of like a holistic health. So Aaron, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate you, man. Um, blessings to you and your family this Saturday, right? Have a great weekend. Um, and look forward to continuing our conversation next time. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Thank you. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.